So, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is Jesus speaking. I want to dig into this verse a little bit this morning. A new command I give you. Sometimes words are hard. Do you understand what a command means? So like if I said, hey, would anybody like to get me a cup of coffee? You would, that's not a command, right? But if I said, hey, you, get me a cup of coffee. You'd say, oh, that's a command. I need to go do that. So here we have Jesus, the creator of the world. King of kings, Lord of lords. Um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Jesus is speaking, and Jesus says, a new command I give you. So, I don't know, I was just kind of struck by the fact that when the person that has all the authority in heaven and earth, the one who created this place, the one who is the giver of life, the one who has forgiven my sins, the one who is my Lord and Savior, and your Lord and Savior, I kind of think when he says, hey, I'm going to command you to do something, I think what he means is, I really want you to do this. Not an option. Here's what you should do. So, before we go on, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that means that he is your Lord and Master, your King, your Savior, your Leader. That means that Jesus is here above you and you are here below him. And that means that when Jesus tells you something to do, you have been relieved of a process that you normally go through. And here's the process that you're relieved of. Deciding if you're going to do it or not. Right? Because you hear someone say something like, if you eat more broccoli, you'll be healthier. You hear that, and then you process that and say, hmm, you know, I'm not, just not sure. I think, in fact, if you ate more turtles, you know, the milk chocolate, pecan, caramel thing, I think that's going to make you more healthy. So you know how I mean you go through this process of deciding, well, I have this information and it says this, but I also have this information that says that. Hmm, I just don't know what I'm going to do. What should I do? What do you think I should do? How should I respond to this? See, I'm saying all this to say when the king of kings says to you, a new command I give you, you don't have to go through any of that process of deciding if you're going to do it. See, if when you hear that there's a new command that you must do, and your response is, hmm, that's interesting. I'll have to consider that. What you're saying is, Jesus is not your Lord. He's not your Savior. He's not your King. He's your advisor. That's not the relationship that Jesus has with us, to be our advisor. Oh, he gives us lots of advice. 
But that's not his role as advisor. See, who has advisors? Kings have advisors. I'm a king. I bring in the wise people to help me figure out what to do. This verse is completely the opposite of that. Jesus is the king. He says, Tony, I command you to do this. So my response as a follower of Jesus, there's only one response. And I don't even have to say, okay. I just have to love. I have to do what he's commanded. And I just pointing that out because if when you see something like this that Jesus tells you to do, and you start wondering and figuring out and speculating and considering and weighing your options, what you're saying to Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is, I'm in charge, Jesus. Thanks for the advice. Thanks for the input. I'll take it under consideration. See, if we are followers of Jesus, and I believe we are, then our response when Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another, our response is, love one another. If your response is anything other than that, I'd ask you to consider your relationship with Jesus. I am not judging you when I say that. I'm asking you to do some self-assessment. Your relationship with Jesus is your relationship with Jesus. It has nothing to do. I'm not the boss of that. Okay? I don't even need to know. Matter of fact, if you tell me you're a follower of Jesus, I'll say, amen, hallelujah, let's go. That's all I need. If you tell me you're not, I'll say, amen, hallelujah, let me tell you about Jesus. Right? So if you decide to follow Jesus, that's between you and Jesus. Do I think it's a good idea? Oh, yeah. I think it's the best choice you can make. But if you choose to do that, and then Jesus says, here's something I command you to do, your response is, yes, sir, I'll do this. And do it. Not just lip service, but do it. So I've set you all up, of course, as I love to do, that now here you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no room to not do this. There's no option. And, and in fact, what we'll all know by the way of not judging each other, is that if we observe you not loving one another, we'll say, hmm, I thought they said they were a follower of Jesus. Now, we will not go into condemnation and judgment of you. We'll just be confused. Hmm, I thought you said, but what I see is not that. See how it can be confusing for all of us? We who are followers of Jesus, and we're given a command, and we see followers of Jesus not doing the command, it, it's not some kind of, well, I'm better than them because I'm obeying. It's like, whoa, did I miss something? What's going on? How could that be? Because Jesus says, a new command I give you, and here's the command. Love one another. Now, before we get into the love part about it, I want to talk about the other part of it, the one another part. Um, when Jesus came, as Chiron said earlier, Jesus was so unique, everything he did was unique, and he created a new group when he came. Not to replace the old groups, they still exist. What are the old groups? Well, there's male and female and and short and skinny and fat and dark-skinned and light-skinned and blue eyes and other colored eyes and 
one kind of hair and another kind of hair or no hair at all. All kinds of groups, right? There's groups based on your heritage. There's groups based on your alma mater. There's groups based on your uniform. There's uh, groups based on your shared interests. There's... The funny thing of the world is the world loves to put us in groups because then it helps organize and we can make decisions and comments about groups of people. And it's interesting, and in this, this case, Jesus didn't really blow those other groups away. He just created a new one. And who is this group, this new group? This group of followers in Jesus, or the church. That's us. Now, this verse says love one another, and that means us. I can turn to other verses that say love your neighbor, love your enemy, love your wife. I can find other verses that say other things. It does not negate what this verse says. So, to point that out, I can tell you that I like vanilla ice cream. I like vanilla. It's good. So, based on that information, what do I think about chocolate? You don't know. I didn't tell you. I told you what I think about vanilla. See what I'm saying? So, Jesus is saying here in this case, love one another. He's talking to his followers. What does he say about loving other people? This verse doesn't address that. It addresses the group of us. What are we supposed to do towards each other? And who are each other? Well, it's the other followers of Jesus. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are commanded to love that group. Now, here's the funny thing about this. How can you tell if somebody's in the tall group or the short group? You look at them and see. How can you tell if somebody's in the, uh, the I like Fords group? You see them walking on the highway. <laughs> so there's characteristics about yourself that place you in a group, right? Now what is the characteristic that places you in this new group? How can we identify if you are a member of the one another? Because you love. That's the identifying characteristic of this group. They love. They love one another. Now, um, by being a member of this new group, the church that loves one another, it does not mean you left any of your old groups, right? You can still be taller, shorter, skinnier, fatter, older, younger, what, or a Kansan or something else, you know, whatever it is you are. But now, I belong to a new group. And the identifying factor of this new group is our love for each other. That's how you can tell if we're in it or not, because we love each other. What does it look like to love one another? What is this love? Um, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So the love that we're supposed to have for each other is like Jesus' love for us. It's the same thing. Um, what did the early church look like when they followed this command? If you read in Acts chapter 2, um, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's how they did this. They all moved together in one place and they sold their stuff off 
and met each other's needs. How do we do that? I, I don't know. If you want to sell your stuff and all move together, I'm in. But we don't have to. We do have to love one another. Uh, back then, those who saved got together immediately and they met each other's needs. Now, this kind of love of Jesus, it's definitely a feeling. Right? You know the, the, how you feel towards someone when you love them? But that is just one little slice of what love looks like. And if all you have for someone is a feeling, that's like telling them be warm and well fed and sending them off without anything, right? Love always comes in action. Jesus acted toward us, right? He just didn't wish us well from the heavenly realms. If we're to love like him, we need to understand what Jesus' love is like. And that is based on actions. And I want to tell you the first definition I came up with for love that Jesus has is his love for us is unconditional. Unconditional love. That means Jesus initiated love towards me. He didn't respond to me with love. Right? So you see a beautiful lightning bolt across the sky and you go ah that was lovely that's me responding to something right jesus didn't look at me and say oh look at that jesus before he saw me said oh i love tony so much i just love him then he saw me and said yeah see so in romans 5 8 God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love for me is unconditional. So the love that we must have for one another is unconditional. So that means there are no conditions on whether I love you or not. That means you don't have to measure up to me, my way of thinking, my way of speaking, my way of living in order for me to love you. See what unconditional means? If the thoughts in your head are something like, if they will do this, then I will love them, that's not unconditional. Now, here's the thing about this new group of the one another's. We're sinners. I don't say that as a, a badge of honor. I say it as an admission that I still live in my sin, even though I'm forgiven. And what that means is if you're near me, you're going to get caught up in some of the collateral damage and whatnot of my sin. And that's going to foul you, like if we're playing basketball, right? Right? Now, sometimes I'm going to foul you intentionally, and sometimes I'm going to foul you unintentionally. But I can guarantee this, if you're around me very long, I will foul you. I don't want to. I just will. You know why? Because I'm wounded and broken, and it results in sin. And therefore, if you're around me very much, there's going to be times 
And maybe lots of times when you're going to just be shaking your head and saying, I can't believe that guy. Now, the unconditional love part means that even if I act that way, you still love me. That's what unconditional love means. I foul you and you love me. See, that's not the way the world does this, right? If my pitcher throws at a batter's head, then your pitcher's going to throw at our heads, right? That's the way the world works. We get even on a foul. You foul me, I'll get you next time down the court. That is not unconditional love at all. God demonstrates his love in this while I was still a sinner. While I was still saying to God, I don't like you at all. Jesus died for me. He died for me. When I had no interest at all in Jesus, he died for me unconditionally. And he did that sacrificially. Right? 2 Corinthians verse 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was perfect, unblemished, the Lamb of God, without flaw. And in that condition, Jesus took all of my sin on himself. That's a sacrifice. You know, Jesus experienced something on the cross that he had never experienced before. The separation from God because of guilt. My guilt, my sin was placed on Jesus. And he took that for me. Jesus loves me unconditionally and he loves me sacrificially. And that's the way we are to love each other. Unconditionally and sacrificially. It's going to cost me to love you. A lot of times we love things because of what we get from loving that. Right? You all know I'm a Kansas Jayhawk fan in basketball. And why am I a Kansas Jayhawk basketball fan? Because they win. And oh, it feels so good when they win. I just love that. See, why do I love Jayhawk basketball? Because it makes me happy. I get something from them. I do not love the Kansas Jayhawk team unconditionally nor sacrificially. So I think I'm not even using the word right when I say I love them. Right? What I think I really mean is they make me happy except for the last game of the year. Right? Like everybody's team except one. Everybody else loses and goes home. Oh, geez, they lost. I can't believe it. Now I have to wait nine months before I can be happy again. That's not love right that's me consuming a thing and when we treat people that way that's not love i'm using things i'm taking advantage of others to make me happy that's not love at least it's not the love that this new group has this new group that i'm in that you're in the kind of love we have is unconditional and sacrificial and it's with forgiveness be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. His love for me was to say, 
Tony, I saw what you did. I know why you did it. I know what you were trying to accomplish. There's nothing hidden here. I see the depth of your depravity. And I forgive you. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have for each other. I don't have to make excuses because you fouled me. I can say, yes, you're wounded, you're broken, and you fouled me. And it hurt. And I forgive you. Oh, this love that Jesus has for me is incredible, right? Unconditional, sacrificial, with forgiveness. I don't deserve it. And it's just like a flood that comes over me, the love of Christ. And that's the way we're to love each other. We don't deserve it. Amen. We do not deserve to treat each other this way. That's right. We're a bunch of jerks. Harming and fouling each other. And what are you going to do about it? Unconditionally, sacrificially, with forgiveness, love. Now there's another aspect of his love. It's eternal. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love that Jesus has for us has no end and nothing can come in between us and stop that love nothing no thing can do that not death not life not angels not demons not the present the past the future any powers no height nor depth nor anything else can separate me from the love of god through christ jesus what's jesus like his love like towards me? There's nothing I can do to make him love me less. There's nothing I can do to make him love me more. He loves me. Unconditionally, sacrificially, with forgiveness, forever, he loves me. Now kind of a side note about love a lot of times when we think love between two people, some kind of impurity thing wants to pop up in there from evil. And I want to tell you the love that Jesus has for us is pure. Every film director, not everyone, so many film directors always want to try to make some kind of sexual love interest for Jesus. Either with Mary Magdalene or John the Baptist or somebody. Jesus has to be sexually in love with someone. And I just want you to read in Hebrews chapter 7. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, and pure. Set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Jesus' love for you has a transcendent purity. He is not trying to consume anything from you he doesn't need you right he just loves you because he is holy and blameless and pure so what's the culmination of his love look like what how can we show what it is 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus loves me because he chooses to love me. And his love sent him from heaven to earth to be here so that he could pay the price for my sin so that I could be with him forever. That's how he showed his love for me. Jesus became the atoning sacrifice for my sin. So a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How in the world are you going to do that? Let's be honest, right? Are you Jesus? You like Jesus? Me neither. I can, I can muster up all the effort I have and all the goodwill I have, and I can't love like this without Jesus living in me. So never on my own ability or conviction or hard work would I be able to love you the way Jesus loves you. Never. So how can I do that? Well, there's only, only one way. Only through the Holy Spirit that God has placed in me. Only by listening to Jesus and following his lead. Only by humbling myself like Jesus humbled himself. Only by surrendering completely to him. Willing to obey. Choosing to obey. Then I can love like Jesus. Do you think it would be cruel if I commanded you to do something and then prevented you from having the ability to do it. That wouldn't be love at all, would it? The command is that I would love like Jesus. Jesus is giving me that command. Jesus is equipping me to do that. Do I have times when I do not love? Oh yeah. What's the problem? I stop the flow of Jesus' love and don't let it go to you. Jesus' love is pouring into me with the intent that it would flow out of me to you. Same with you. So I sit here and bask in the love of Jesus. And I mean lavish. The way you put chicken gravy on mashed potatoes with fried chicken, that kind of lavish, right? It's just all over the plate. That kind of, the love of Jesus is just incredible. I don't need to hoard it. I don't need to save it. I need to share it. That's why he's given it to me. And with that love that he gives to me also comes the desire to love other people. Right? The way Jesus loves, unconditionally. Why do I love you? Why do you love me? Because of Jesus, not because of each other. Right? Some of you are lovely sometimes. And it's easy to love you on those days. 
But none of us are lovely all the time. That's when our real love is tested. You're going to love then? When you don't get what you want? When somebody has offended you? When you've been hurt? Can you love then? Or will you take your love and go pout in the corner? It's sad to say, but we often act like three-year-olds even when we're old, right? We take our stuff and go stand in the corner and stomp our feet because we didn't get what we want. And then, why are we over in the corner pouting? Because people will notice that we're not with them. And then what will people do? They'll come over to offer us counsel and to console us. And then what will we do? We will tell them about how we were fouled. And we'll pull out the list, the accusations and charges against our brother and sister in Christ. And then you know what happens? This other person who has come over to find out, I'm painting with a broad brush, this doesn't always happen, but normally we pile on. I know, they did it to me too. I can't believe them. Can you? We don't deserve this. What's wrong with them? Now we have divisions and strife amongst the brothers and sisters, which is not supposed to be. So, first, don't let brothers and sisters in Christ offend you. Stop that. You do not need to take offense because of what people, or what you think people have done. Make it hard to offend you. Make it real hard. But if you're offended, don't go over and pout in the corner. Go to that person or go to Jesus. Let him lead you. you, Is it time to, to have healing in our friendship? Or is it time to wait a little bit? Ask Jesus to lead. It will come. Secondly, if you see somebody pouting in the corner, it's more than fine to go to them as they pout in the corner. When they start telling you of the charges and offenses of one of our brothers and sisters in Christ, do not pile on. Do not affirm. You want to really disrupt them? So shall we begin to forgive this other person who's wronged you? Let's do that. Rather than say, oh I know, they were so mean to you. Say, yeah, they must have had a bad day. Let's forgive them. You want to? Let's love them. You want to? Yeah, I want to. I do. So what happens? What happens when we love one another? What happens when we follow the command? Oh, I forgot this part. Darn it. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Just like Jesus said, John says the same thing. We need to love each other. God loved me, I need to love you. Now back in John 13, verse 35. By this, what's this? By us loving one another is Jesus' love. By that kind of love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Um, what happens when we love one another? 
First, God is glorified because we are being obedient. The glory of God fills this place and the world. Our brothers and sisters are blessed when we love them because of our love. When we love one another, God is glorified, our brothers and sisters are blessed, and number three, we are identified as believers. So, hey, if you want to wear a cross to show people you're a Christian, that's awesome. If you want to put some stuff on your car, that's awesome. If you want to get a tattoo, that's awesome too. I don't care what you do. But do you know what Jesus says the way we know if we're followers or not? Because we love. Because we love. That's how we are identified as a follower of Jesus. The whole world will know. It's like our uniform or our silly fez hat with a tassel coming out of it. That's how we know we belong. The way we can tell is because our love. And a lack of that shows we don't. The world will know that we are disciples of Jesus if we love one another. Do you know the world is seeking love? Everybody you know is dying to be loved. That's one of the main reasons I go to Facebook, not to love people, but to see what goes on in the world. And what I see in Facebook over and over is people putting posts on there saying, hey, would you love me? Now they never say that. That's what they mean, right? Would you love me? Because they're dying to be loved. And you know what our response is? Yes, I'll love you. Yes, I will. But without Jesus, we're not able to love well. They long for it. But you and I, we're in a different case. We're commanded to love. There's no option. Now, the, the church gets beat up on a regular basis for good reason, right? But do you know what the church is supposed to look like? The church is supposed to look like Jesus' love. We love one another. I can confess that I've been going to church for a long time and I have witnessed many, many church fights. It's nothing sadder. Church I went to one time, I was on the board and we had monthly board meetings. Uh, I've never seen a group more full of hate and anger in that church boardroom. Right? You've seen that. You've noticed that, right? Just say no. I will not fight with you. I'll fight for you. I will not fight with you. I love you. You don't have to measure up to me or anything else to deserve or earn that love. I love you because Jesus commands me to love you and you love me for the same reason because jesus commands us to and so our church sign is really funny right now i don't know if you've seen it or not it says our church is like fudge it's kind of sweet with a few nuts 
I don't know which one you are, the sweet or the nut. I don't know. It's just funny, I think. That's the way we are, right? You know there's some nuts around here? And you love me, right? We love our nuts. And we love the sweet. And we love the crazy. And we love the normal. We love the wacky. And we love each other. Because we all love Jesus and so we all love each other. Do we fail at this? Yeah, we fail at it. Trying to be better, right? We want to love better. It's our goal and our mission to love each other. And so, when you don't feel loved, would you tell somebody? Tell me if nobody else. Um, when you've been hurt, again, I'll give you permission. Come tell me if you can't tell somebody else. When you have not loved someone, would you go to them and say, I need to ask your forgiveness. I have not loved you the way I should. Right? There's trash in the bathroom and there's weeds in the yard and the order of service was messed up and blah, blah, blah. All those things that happen that offend us on any time we come together, right? Can you just give forgiveness to the person that did that or didn't do that? Can we just love one another? Something didn't go the way I want it. Can you say, praise God, I'm glad it happened that way? And bless it rather than curse it? Can you bless what the other people are doing even if it's not the way you would do it? Can we lift each other up unconditionally, sacrificially, with forgiveness, love each other for all of eternity? You see, I don't know if you know this or not, but the way Jesus loves us eternally is the way we love each other eternally. And it's not like when you die you're going to get away from me. I'm coming there too. Right? So let's love each other now and forever. Imagine what this place, what the church would look like if we loved one another. The whole world is looking at us and watching. And you know what they typically see at the church? People fighting over stuff. Like the time of the service or the color of the hymnal or I don't know what. The craziest things you can think of to fight over. I say let's don't fight over it. Let's love each other. Why not rather be wronged? Let's love each other. It's the calling from Jesus. It's what he's filled us with that we can share with one another. Were you wronged? Were you fouled? Of course you were. Now forgive and love one another. It's okay to set up boundaries. Look, you, you can't keep, love doesn't allow you to keep doing this, right? It's, it's like, here's a way out example, but let's say that the wife is really mad at her husband and when she comes home from work, she punches him in the face. That's not okay. Okay? That's not okay. We have to set boundaries. Love does not mean I let you punch me in the face. Love does not mean I punch you back. Love means we, we enter into a time of, of correction and training and whatever we have to do. I'm not saying 
everything goes. I'm saying let's love one another from the heart, from the inside out. Let's love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So you, you have a choice today, this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, every day. Will you obey Jesus and follow his command? And that command is that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You've got to love the others too, but let's just start here. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. What's your response to that? For those of you that said, I'm in, hallelujah, let's do it. For those of you who didn't say anything, let's talk about your relationship with Jesus. I'm not judging you. I want you to know the love of Jesus in a way that is so transformative that it makes you obey what he says and love others. That's the invitation. Because the world is watching the way we love. We are reflecting on Jesus Christ, not on this building of people. We are reflecting on Jesus Christ. And we need to reflect his love to the world. Let's love one another the way Jesus loves us. Jesus, uh, thank you for your command. We need love so bad. And you have so much love to give. Jesus, so I thank you for this love that you have for us. And we step in to loving the way you love, Jesus. Forgive us for not doing that in the past. Forgive us for stopping it and starting it and stopping it again and again. Father, it is our uh, desire to be obedient, to love with the love of Jesus Christ as we love one another. So Jesus, we follow you. We ask that your love would flow through us, that we would love uh, the way you love Jesus. Lead us in this. We pray all of it in your name. Amen.